Okay, welcome. This is Kids A to Z with Dr. T. I am your host, Teresa Signorelli, um, and we're bringing you information about the five areas of child development. Uh, And on the show, we talk about physical development, intellectual, social, emotional, emotional, and moral development, so parents can really empower their children to thrive and, and develop really wonderfully. So today's Brain and Toyland segment regards physical development. And um, we have, uh, actually we've named the segment Tummy Time and Interruption of the Container Baby Lifestyle. And we have Dr. Marita Black, who is a pediatric uh, physical therapist, and she is here to share some really great information with us. So um, Marita, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure, Teresa. I would love to. Um, I want to thank you for having me on the show today. Um, My name is Marita Black, and I'm a physical therapist with over 10 years of experience, with the majority of my practice being in pediatrics. I currently, excuse me, I work at a major children's hospital in New York City, and I also work with clients in their homes. And Um, Basically, you know, over the last year or so, I've realized how much education parents are looking for in order to promote their children's development, and um, that's why I'm here today. Okay, great. Great, and I think um, many people, when they think of physical therapists, they might think of it in terms of people needing some rehabilitation, but why I like to bring on specialists like like you, like physical therapists, is because you really understand child development and understand... um, how to foster the growth and not just fix some um, something that was broken <laughs> or not working as well. Right. You really can help parents foster and create a great environment. So um, why don't you tell us briefly, physical development relates to motor development. So, so parents have a full context. Can you just tell us a little bit or quickly what motor development is? Sure. So motor development is the progression of skills that an infant practices, really, in order to control their body's movements. And they, these skills really begin when the baby is inside their mother. You know, first they are simply waving and they're doing kicking movements that are spontaneous. And over time, these movements become complex as the baby grows. And the skills culminate to f- and form into the young child who is running, skipping, playing, you know, with their friends in the playground. Okay, great. So we, had, we called this segment Tummy Time um, and Interruption of the Container Baby Lifestyle. So we're going to talk about the tummy time um, concept first, but before that, there's something that I think leads up to it. We had talked in the past once about the Back to Sleep campaign. Maybe we can start talking about that, and then that could lead us into what we mean by tummy time. Yeah, so in... Around 1994, there was this campaign started called the Back to Sleep Campaign. And it was started to really try to get babies off of their stomachs when they're sleeping. And this campaign has significantly reduced the incidence of SIDS since the 1990s. Okay, Um, and and SIDS SIDS is what? Just so parents have, yeah, that full context. SIDS, SIDS is Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. And it's basically, it's basically a, an unexplained death that occurs in a baby less than about one year of age and when all other problems are ruled out. So, you know, they look at all other potential, you know, cardiac issues and 
pulmonary issue, like lung issues, and so it's a rule so, out diagnosis. So it doesn't seem to be something with their heart. It doesn't seem to be something with their breathing. Cur- essentially, yes. Like there's no underlying illness or problem. Um, so it's just almost like an accident, an accidental mm-hmm. death. Okay. So there was concerns about SIDS, and so that that brought about the Back to Sleep campaign. Yeah. And so, you know, when we were babies, um, you know, before before the 90s, if you're a baby, a lot of times your parents would place you on their tummy um, to go to sleep. And so we got a lot, a lot of practice on our tummies when we were babies. And now what's happened is that, so when parents leave the hospital, they're told, you know, don't place your, make sure when the baby's sleeping to not place them on their tummy, which is great and it's important and it's needed. Um, But what I think happens is that, you know, it can be very scary for parents and, um, and they don't, they potentially do not receive the education that, oh, you know, the baby should be back to, back to sleep, but tummy for play or tummy during awake periods during the day. Right. So um, because of the danger of SIDS, pediatricians felt that children should be put to sleep on their back, hence the back to sleep campaign. And what was happening is children weren't spending then enough time on their other side of their body, on their bellies. So we... Um, came across the new concept of tummy time to give them um, different types of positioning so they're, um, to help their growth on all kinds of sides? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I guess can you give us a little bit of information about what tummy time is, maybe how often children should be on their bellies, on their tummies, and maybe how long each time a session of tummy time should be? Sure. So, you know, tummy time is really can be defined any time that the baby is placed on their tummy. Um, So that could be when the baby is, you know, laying on their mother's or father's chest, or it could be, you know, on the floor. It could be, you know, putting them on their tummy on the couch. And all of this, I want to emphasize that it's really supervised tummy time. So, you know, these babies need to be supervised when they're on their tummy just to make sure, um, you know, that they're clearing their head and everything's okay. So um, I'll I'll try, I probably will emphasize that a couple more times. But um, as far as the time goes... That there's nothing blocking blocking their breathing abilities. Yes, correct. Um, And as far as time goes, you know, when, when the infant's younger... It doesn't have to be these long periods of time because, you know, an infant really, a a newborn baby is spending up to, say, you know, 20 hours of their time sleeping. So a lot of that time is going to be on their back, right, especially when they're unsupervised. And so they're they're not awake as much. So, you know, even just 20... 20 seconds of tummy time is great for them. If you can, you know, put them on their on your chest when they're sleeping so that you know that they're breathing and, you know, you're awake, um, that's a great way to do tummy time. And then, you know, there is some research as the baby gets older, so when you're looking at, you know, a three- or four- or five-month-old baby, there is some research that suggests 
aiming for at least 20 minutes of supervised tummy time a day. But, um, you know, I don't think that research is, is great. Um, and I think that every family and every baby is going to be different, a little bit different. Um, depends on, you know, how busy you are as a parent and um, other factors of the family. Okay, so they really have to make sure it fits within the balance of the family um, so so it works for them and the child is happy and the parents are happy. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And I think so, that, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I think nope, that it's ahead, important to just start doing tummy time. I mean, this can be started day of life zero. You know, there's no... Um, oh, you know, I hear it from a lot of parents, like, oh, they, you know, my doctor didn't tell me to start tummy time until the baby was already two months of age or potentially older. And that's really late. I mean, at that time, the baby has missed all of those great opportunities to, you know, be on their tummy and experience that. And so when the parent puts the baby on their tummy, that baby may not be happy being on their tummy. Wow. So, so maybe for that, can you talk a, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, can you talk a little bit about why that's important? What are the skills um, that are being fostered by having them on their their tummy to help give parents some context and understand why we do it? It's a great question, and there's so many great benefits of tummy time. Starting, you know, just from the from the head, looking at the head of the baby, um, you're helping them develop head control, so from a physical standpoint, getting head control, and you're also working on visual motor skills on the tummy. You're working on just brain development and cognitive development because they, you know, they have to figure out a different a, a different area, right, when they're looking down at the world versus when they're looking up. It also helps to develop their core muscles. We, you know, we hear all the time about core muscles and doing yoga and Pilates. And, you know, this is a way to develop their core muscles, their stomach muscles. It also helps to develop the muscles of their shoulders and their arms. It helps to develop the fine motor of their hands and their fingers. Um, And it also helps to kind of lengthen all of those muscles in, in the baby's body, which then really prepares this baby for things later on, such as rolling, crawling, walking. Okay, that's great. So we're seeing what, why that we have the benefits, and you had mentioned some ways parents could have tummy time, like on their chest or on the couch. Um, do you have some other suggestions or maybe strategies for parents if they're having trouble with their kids being in tummy time, you had said maybe if they start too late, the child may not like it. What can parents do? Right. Um, You know, I always tell parents that the first goal is just frequency of tummy time, so really just aiming to get them on on their stomach for even 20 seconds, even 30 seconds, you know, 10 seconds. Um, not so much focus on, you know, I think parents are like, oh, my goodness, I have to get them on their stomach. They have to be there for 15 minutes. That's what, you know, my friend told me and or the doctor told me. And in the beginning, you know, it, it can be really about just frequency of tummy time. And so that can be one, one strategy that parents can use. 
Um, and then, you know, even just, you know, I think the basic, a lot of time when parents think of tummy time, they may think of tummy time like on the floor. And that's great. That's a great way to do tummy time. But, um, you know, you can look around your house or your apartment and, you know, you can kind of look out of the box. You can do tummy time with the baby, you know, like I said before, lying on the couch or in the parent's bed. Again, all supervised. Um, mm-hmm. You could do tummy time on top of a table. Um, and then, you know, we even have such things. I know a lot of parents have boppies, and those are great, but you don't even need a boppy. You can just put like a – you can put your baby basically over a little towel roll. So mm-hmm. have the towel roll going – across their chest, and just to kind of give them a little bit of a lift, a little bit of support. Um, so those are some basic strategies. Okay, those, those sound good and, and doable. But um, is there any way for a parent to know that their child is having sufficient tummy time, or maybe if they're not having sufficient tummy time, is there a, are there signs that would alert parents to that? Right. I think that, you know, if if they're trying to put their their baby on the tummy and every, you know, every time the, the baby is crying and, you know, screaming and not happy, you know, that may indicate, you know, some sort of problem. It might not have to do with them hating tummy time. Um, it could be, you know, maybe it's hurting their belly or something else is going on. Maybe their ears are bothering them. So, you know, it's definitely something to bring up with the pediatrician. And I mm-hmm. think that, again, there's no um, specific time. You know, I, I, I don't want to say give specific black and white times, but, I mean, if your baby is able to be on their stomach for, you know, five to ten minutes in a row um, several times during the day, you know, by the time, you know, they're three months old, I think that's great. Um, that's a good goal. I think you can never have too much tummy time. So... Um, that's just important to think about. Okay, that sounds good. Now, you actually, in your private practice, you do prenatal parent trainings that regard tummy time. Maybe, can you talk about that a little? Maybe walk parents through what you do so they have an idea of what they might learn in a course like yours and things that I guess are important for them to know about. Sure. So, you know, what happened is just, in, you know, my everyday practice, I find parents, you know, telling me, you know, they're coming to me with their baby who's potentially five months, six months, eight months of age. And when I'm talking about tummy time, you know, they're telling me, oh, I really wish that I would have known this before, you know, like I wish I knew all of these strategies and all of this stuff and how important tummy time was before. And so, you know, out of that, I sort of developed this prenatal tummy time class for expectant parents. Um, and it's a really, you know, it's an interactive class. It's hands-on. And I cover numerous topics that I think, you know, it's really important for parents to be, you know, parents who are going to have a baby soon um, to know. And those are such topics, I mean, we talk a lot about tummy time, just kind of what I'm talking about here, and I demonstrate a lot of ways to do tummy time. Mm-hmm. And we also talk about, you know, motor milestones, some, you know, basics. We talk, about, we talk about SIDS and the back-to-sleep campaign and some other, some other important information. 
So you mentioned motor milestones. Can you just briefly tell parents what you mean by that? Yeah, so those are, you know, basically if you, you know, if you Google motor milestones, you'll you'll see sort of sequences of the, that motor development that we were talking before. So, you know, such thing, things as, you know, at six months of age, approximately a child should be able to sit by themselves. That would be an example of a motor milestone. Right. But so there's certain little, skills that they should do at certain age ranges. Yeah, yeah. And there's little skills over time too, you know, like at four months of age, you know, a baby should be able to reach for their knees and play with their knees. And um, so there's, you know, there's, there's big milestones of, you know, sitting, crawling, walking, but then there's even smaller ones that are just as important and kind of mm-hmm. create the basis for those larger milestones that parents are aware of. Right, right. So um, it's, it sounds like there are some surprises regarding tummy time that parents didn't know about um, and that your training seems to help them with that. What's, what's some of the nice feedback you've gotten from them about it? I mean, they're really surprised and, you know, excited, I think, um, that they, I think it helps parents kind of take back a little bit control, like give them some control toward their baby's development and not just mm-hmm. physical because, you know, this is, you know, I'm talking a lot about physical muscle development and physical milestones, but, you know, we're also shaping the brains of, of babies. You know, the, the brain of the child grows the most from zero to three years old. And so parents really feel empowered, you know, to take these skills and to practice them and really to help their baby Right, and it really is all connected, um, and that's why we, we talk about these five areas of human development I mentioned earlier, because as one area develops, the others develop. Um, and if you have a delay or something in one area, it can affect the others. So it, everything really is truly connected. So um, it's good to look at all of them, and it's nice to, to give parents options, I think, for what they can do to foster physical development, which will in turn help foster other areas. So um, what, one of the things we like to do is give uh, parents what we call our five fabulous facts for families. So if you uh, could talk about, in regard to tummy time, what are your five fabulous facts for families in regard to tummy time, if you could give them your, your big takeaways? So for number one, you know, some of this will be a review from what we talked about before, but for number one, initially aim for frequency of tummy time, specifically aim for those short bursts of practice on the baby's belly. So instead of trying to place your baby on the belly for long, these long periods of time, aim for even 30 seconds or a minute or five minutes. And shorter, these shorter bursts of practice will lead to successful tummy time down the road. Mm-hmm. And number, number two... I think it's important for parents to realize that they are their infant's first toy. So, you know, there's all these toys that you can buy in the store, um, but the mother or father or, you know, the caregiver, grandmother, you know, their face is the infant's first toy. So initially, you may try to do tummy time with your baby where they can see your face. 
So this way, you know, they're seeing their first toy and they feel safe and thus they will be happier. And an example is to, you know, put the baby on the couch and then you would get down on the floor so that your face is at their eye level. And number three is to really make tummy time part of your everyday routine. So for example, every time the parent changes the baby's diaper, they can try to place the baby on their tummy before or afterwards. And again, like I said before, even for 30 seconds or a minute so that it becomes part of their daily routine. Um, And number four, there's a variety of ways to perform tummy time. And variety, I always like to say, is the spice of life. So um, on my website, maridablack.com, you can find um, a link to pictures to foster different ways of doing tummy time. And a really, you know, a really nice way to do tummy time with your baby initially is just them lying tummy time down in your chest, like we talked about before. So this is a great way for younger infants and you know, especially or those who are new to tummy time. And for the final number, the number five, you know, just remembering that the, the final, the ultimate goal of tummy time is to get the infant ready for crawling and eventually walking, which leads to them interacting with their environment, learning, developing, and really growing their, their brains. So that's it. Um, great. Very good. So let's move on to the container baby syndrome. Um, um, what is it? Why does it happen? And um, how can we counteract it, I guess? Right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So we call, you know, I don't know who came up with this term, the container baby syndrome. And um, really it's essentially kind of looking at a lifestyle a lifestyle of, you know, convenience. Um, when parents register or when parents or caregivers register for their baby, um, there's so much stuff and so much equipment for them to get. And, you know, parents will tell you, oh, you have to get the bouncy seat and you have to get um, <clears throat> this this walker thing and you have to get a jumper and, you, you know, you have to get this container and that container and and these are you know these are a great luxury that we have um but a lot of them are not a necessity for a baby and i kind of want to go back to you know when potentially when you and i were babies and you know our parents say wanted to take us out to dinner or take us you know to their friend's house they would have to they would have to carry us from the you know, from your from the house to the car where they'd have to, you know, put you into the car seat that lived in the car. And then when they got to the, you know, the restaurant or their friend's place, they would have to pick, pick you up and then, you know, either carry you into wherever they're going or, you know, they might at that point kind of pop you into the stroller. And all of that time that that baby has had sort of moving from, you know, one arm to the other arm, from one parent to the other parent, um, you know, into the car and out of the car, like all of that is great 
experience for them, physical, cognitive, um, it's sensory experience that that baby is getting. And kind of fast-forwarding to, you know, our time now when we have all of, you know, these, these great devices, you know, the baby can sit in, be sitting in the car seat, you know, as the parents are getting ready for dinner, and then, you know, they're carried in this car seat out to the car. They're popped right into the, the car seats because it can pop right in. And then they get to their friend's house and it pops right out and the parents, you know, say, oh, isn't this great? You know, my baby loves being in this car seat. She's so comfortable here. And let me just pop her into her stroller and we'll push her into, you know, where we're going. And, oh, you know what, she's so happy there. Let's just... Let's leave her there. And yeah. you can so really see that. So she's staying in that, that same position, that same position for really extended amounts of time. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes. Okay. So what um, – so it's a mixed blessing, I think. So we have these gadgets mm-hmm. or these containers of convenience, but there can be um, um, some physical effects that are detrimental. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so, you know, there has been um, some research saying that, you know, keeping your baby in this container can um, decrease their motor, um, sort of impair their motor milestones. So the baby may not, you know, sit on time or walk on time. So it can definitely affect the baby's overall strength and sensory awareness, you know, their baby's, Mm -hmm. the baby's ability to understand what's you know, what to do when they're on the floor. And um, the other thing that it can do is, you know, it can really affect the baby's head control. So you can imagine if a baby is just resting their head on a surface for, you know, X amount of time that they're not able to, you know, move their neck and, and use their neck to keep it straight. So that can lead to a variety of problems. So you could have sort of neck tightness in the neck muscles. You can have neck weakness. And you can also have what's called, you can develop what's called plagiocephaly, which is a big word, but it really means flattening of the head. Um, and so where our heads are supposed is, to be round, if they're on their back and their yes. heads are on a flat surface, their heads will become misshapen. Correct. Okay. So, and that might lead to a child needing to wear a helmet to help their skulls um, have the proper form so there aren't other troubles. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, some people will say that it's just purely a cosmetic problem. And there's still a lot of research being done on the subject. Um, but, I mean, if you think about it, you know, if your baby's head is really flat on the back, then that could be affecting their balance and sitting. And, you know, that type of thing is hard to really track and understand and test. But, I mean, really a baby's head is supposed to be round. Right. Right. Okay. Okay, so what um, what can parents do maybe to balance these life conveniences of having these great um, seats and containers, um, but balance that so that kids get a healthy range of different positionings and different movement opportunities? 
So the first one is tummy time, which we mm-hmm. discussed, you know, before, and that's really important. So, I mean, if you think about it, it's, tummy time is almost like the exact opposite of a baby sitting in a container. So, you know, that's one thing that's really important. Um, and I think that parents, you know, this isn't about making parents, like I do not want to make parents feel, feel guilty because, you know, parents are so busy nowadays. I mean, it seems like we're busier than we ever were before. And so, you know, if you want to put your baby in to a container so that they're safe while you're, you know, cooking dinner or getting, you know, getting the other kids ready, I mean, for sure, like, that's that's a perfect thing to do. But just trying to remember, like, oh, let's, you know, they've been in the, this container, whatever it is, for, you know, 30 minutes. Why don't we just take him out and carry him, carry the baby or put the baby on the floor? Okay. All right. What and it sounds um are parents equally surprised to hear about container baby syndrome? Um like they were to hear about tummy time or what do, what do you find in that regard? Yeah, I think that you know parents kind of sometimes think that they're doing that putting their babies in this supported sitting position is actually really helpful for them. Um, you know, parents will say to me, like, oh, well, won't this really, you know, help develop my, my baby's strength of their neck muscles? And But it really, there's no research showing that any of these type of containers do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, just going back to, you know, if the baby isn't having all of that great practice, you know, on their tummy, on the floor, you know, moving around, they're going to miss those opportunities. So... I think that parents are definitely surprised, you know, that, oh, we, so I shouldn't use those, those containers and, you know, oh, I should limit the time in those containers, which exactly is what they should be doing, you know. But, again, every family is going to be different. You know, if you have four kids all under the age of four, it may be more challenging than someone who has just, you know, one new one newborn. Right, so they they have to keep it in balance and be aware of it, um, and there are going to be times when they do have to keep their ch- child in that container <laughs> for the overall Correct. health of the family, let's say. Um, but just to be aware that if, if at one point during the week or during the day they had to have a child in, in, in their car seat for an extended amount of time to so try to counteract that someplace else in the day um, where they can give them time on their tummy or moving about or being in different positions. And going through different Correct. movements. Yeah. So, um, like we did for tummy time, can you do you have some five fabulous facts for families to counteract this uh, container baby syndrome you could talk about? Yeah. So, you know, the first one really is just to limit the amount of time your baby is, is in that container. So, for you know, I talked before, if your baby's in that swing for. 20 to 30 minutes while you're making dinner, you know, when you're done making dinner, try to take them out and put them, you know, in a, maybe on a safe place on the floor to get a break from the container afterwards. And right. just like your body doesn't enjoy sitting at the office chair the entire, you know, the entire day, your baby doesn't want to sit in a container all day. And for number two, floor play is, absolutely fabulous for this. So 
not only is it great for your baby, but it's also what's what's interesting is that it's also really good for you. Like for you as a parent, getting getting on the floor and you know, besides bonding with your baby, it also can help with your flexibility and it can help with to develop your your you know, your core and and lengthen your muscles. And number <laughs> three Yeah, we all want to get stronger and get more flexible, right? Yeah. And number three Tummy time, you know, as I said before, it's a it's a great position to put your baby in to counteract the, those negative effects of the container baby lifestyle. And we've talked about that enough, so I can move on to number four. Yep. <laughs> variety, I said this sort of with tummy time, but variety is the spice of life. So your goal, you know, trying to provide a variety of positions to your babies throughout the day it's going to be the best thing that you can do for them. So, you know, maybe at some points enjoy carrying or what we call, sometimes parents will call wearing your baby, you know, in a, like an ergo-type sling. Um, not that I'm promoting ergo necessarily, but, um, you know, any brand that's comfortable and works for you, if you can get it from a friend, that's even better. Um, have the baby then play on a floor, Later on, you know, while lying on their side, doing tummy time, and, you know, even then maybe just work on having them sitting in your lap. And number five, remembering really the final goal of getting the baby out of the container. And if if your baby doesn't get to experience the world outside of that container, then how will they really, you know, how will they end up learning to roll, crawl, and stand? And they will. I mean, they will end up, I mean, a typically developing baby will, I mean, it's not, I don't mean to scare parents, um, but if, if you think of it that way, like the final goal is really for your baby to be walking and running around and playing. So if they're sitting in that container, that's not going to be helpful toward that goal. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. So those are those are really helpful, and I think doable for parents. And um, now, can you, as we start to wind up, can you talk about what parents should do if they suspect a problem with their child's physical development? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the first thing is to you know talk to your pediatrician, especially when the baby's you know younger. They're going to the pediatrician pretty often. And so, you know, that's something to bring up to the pediatrician. Um, You know, I'm a really big fan. Like, I definitely don't believe in, like, the wait-and-see approach, which I think some pediatricians do. Um, I think that if you have any feelings that something could be wrong or different with your baby, I think that you should definitely, you know, really, you know, ask your pediatrician for a prescription or referral for physical therapy or occupational therapy as well. And, you know, because I think that it's important that someone evaluate and if nothing's wrong, if everything looks good, then great. You know, they can send you on on your way. Yeah, so... um Yes, pediatricians are on the front line. They're the they're the professional that the families are seeing first, and they do know a lot and they do wonderful things. But when you're talking about physical development, the real experts in pediatric 
physical development are physical therapists looking more at those gross motor and sensory um, parameters and then occupational therapists who are looking at maybe those finer, smaller um, muscle movements and sensory. But that's why um, I like going right to the real expert, to the, the allied health professional, the physical therapist who's your domain is physical development. So um, going through the pediatrician to get to a physical therapist, but really having that expert, that PT, that physical therapist, look at your child and see how they're developing, if they're on par, and being able to give parents ideas of toys, activities, um, things that they can read, et cetera, to really provide children with really wonderful opportunities so that they can uh, really grow, really grow and develop. Um, so, Marita, can you, uh, as we now, as we really close up, can you just tell us again, how can people contact you if they're interested to learn more, maybe take some of your courses or see the information you have on your website? What can, what can people do? Yeah, they can go to my website, which is maritablack.com, and um, my email address is there, and there's some other information, and, you know, I'm always, I'm always open and available to try to answer questions the best that I can. Okay, great, great. Well, thank you so much. Um, so that basically ends our show for today. I want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, if you have questions or topics that you'd like us to address on the show, you can send uh, your questions or comments to info at kidsa-z.com. That's info at kidsa-z.com. And um, otherwise, that's all for today. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. I don't know if you